me start. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon today. God, you're good, and we thank you so much for our time that we have together. We thank you for this opportunity in our calendar to celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son, who took on flesh, who came as a servant, who came to give his life as a ransom for many, who came and not only died, but conquered our greatest enemy, sin and death. And we thank you that he came to do all of those things, but also, and most importantly, Lord, to bring you glory by seeing our lives changed as a result of it. And I pray that what we do today might bring you glory. We thank you for all of the work put into it. We thank you for those who are serving. And thank you for those who are performing. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As you saw on the program, uh, there's the words to the songs. There's also some really important information about our church and about what our church is going to be doing. I'd encourage you before the day is over to take a look at some of the events that are coming up, both uh, inside the pamphlet and then on the backside as well. You are certainly welcome here. We love having folks come and getting to know us as a church. And in fact, for those of you who where perhaps this is your first time or this is uh, maybe not your church home, but uh, you are coming and, and being a part of our service today, we have a gift for you. So if this is your first time here and you would uh, never received anything from us in the past or perhaps it's been a long time and uh, you're back visiting, we have something for you. So we don't want to embarrass you. We don't want to call attention to you in an inordinate way. But if you could just slip up your hand, our ushers have something for you. We'd like to give you a gift on behalf of our church. We're so grateful that you're here. So just kind of keep your hand up and we can get that to you. If uh, the person that brought you is raising their hand, much to your chagrin, that's on them. But we're still glad we can give you a gift. And uh, keep your hands up. We're going to do the best we can to get them. There's uh, several folks around here. If something hasn't been given to you, it's coming. I promise. Inside of that bag, there is a gift. There's one that's edible. If you want to eat it now, that's fine. Uh, if you want to save it for later, that's fine too. Keep your hands raised. And we'll get those. <laughs> Again, thank you all so much for, for being here. We as a church family are delighted to have you. Um, we have been praying for you. Uh, we've been praying for just uh, who God would have us come into contact with. And actually, we'd really like to invite you after our program is over. If you wouldn't mind hanging around, we have some refreshments out in the lobby. Once the play is done this afternoon, or I'm sorry, once the play is done this morning, uh, we'll have a short time of coffee and hot chocolate and cookies out in the lobby. You're welcome to take as many or as little as you want. We'd love to be able to get to meet you and uh, spend some time with you. Again, thanks so much. We're glad that you can be with us here. We're going to sing another two songs and then enjoy a special from the instruments and then our play. So, Ben. This next Christmas carol was written during the time of the American Civil War. And you'll see, as you look at it, uh, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Each stanza concludes with uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the context at that time, right, not seeing what looks like peace on and goodwill to men, but, but looking forward to what will be and, and what God is
is accomplishing in spite of what appears, right? So that's kind of a little bit of a context there uh, for this particular one. Let's stand and sing, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day.
Elemental Special, what child is this? <coughs>
Oh, the tree looks fantastic. Great job, crew. We only broke two ornaments this year. Yeah. Hey, a new record. Anyone <laughs> want more eggnog? Oh, there goes the dryer. Well, I will happily take another glass down with me to fold the laundry. I will bring you one, Dad. Yep. You two go and do whatever it is you need to do. Jimbo and I can read a book. Are you sure about that, Dad? Last time you read Jimmy a Bible story, he didn't sleep for a week, and he was saying that we needed to go buy a goat so God wouldn't sacrifice him. Hon, you know I don't like to water things down. Plus, he's going to be an adult soon. He needs to learn life ain't all roses. Okay, that soon-to-be adult is eight, and he still wets the bed. Let's keep it to the picture books this time, okay? You know he's an inquisitive boy, but I give the people what they want, so I'll see what I can do. Okay, have fun, you guys. Hey, Jimbo, you go pick out a book. My knees ain't what they used to be. Oh, hun, I saw Mr. B shoveling his snow the other day, and I just thought we should have him over. He doesn't seem like he gets out much. Who? Mr. Breckett, uh, Mr. Berner. Ah, Mr. B, you know, three doors down, the house with the yellow door, the tree with the purple leaves in the fall. Oh, yeah, him. Isn't he a hermit? I feel like I see him, I don't know, once a week when he goes to take the garbage cans out. Why him? Eh, we should be neighborly. Get to know him. Are we not neighborly enough? Like that one time we accidentally got his mail? I went over and dropped it off on his porch. Seriously? Did you even knock? Well, no, but... I mean, he doesn't exactly seem like the kind of person who likes to be bothered. Anyway, if we were to have him over, what would I even talk to him about? It's not like I can talk to him about sports. You know he flies that Steelers flag, and I ain't even going there. Oh, please. Also, have you seen the house lately? place has become a mess, and ever since I got home from work and started working here, I've pretty much become the maid. You know, it's kind of hard to keep up with everything. We always have dishes and laundry everywhere. This is why we need to implement the sniff test. If the smell isn't too powerful, then it's good to go. <laughs> Babe, this isn't dorm life. We have a mortgage and a child. I don't think Mr. B is going to notice the washcloths aren't full. Well, maybe he won't notice. <laughs> you certainly don't. <laughs> Touche. Give me those. You know, speaking of neighbors, did you see what Linda posted on Facebook? Man, that lady always seems angry about something. Today, she's got her sights set on Christmas. Ooh, what'd she say? Oh, something about how her kids can't make it and it's all a nonsense holiday anyway or something like that. Aw, that stinks. She seemed fine yesterday. I ran into her putting another yard sign in the lawn. Oh, come on. Now, I know we all have our different points of view, but does she have to be so in your face about it? Yeah, really. Are you any different? Telling people exactly how you feel constantly? <laughs> yeah. At least I don't have to wave a huge flag about it. Literally. Grandpa, it's okay. You don't have to read to me. I'm kind of getting too old for anyway. We can just watch TV. Kid, when I was your age, television was called books. Besides, you want to learn something, don't you? I was hoping I wasn't up to learn anything more on Christmas break. <laughs> That's a spirit. What book did you pick? Jonah and the Whale. Jonah and the Whale. You kidding me? They put whale in the title? The Hebrew doesn't even specify that it was a whale. It was just a vehicle to get Jonah back on track. Besides, it didn't even solve the real problem, because in chapter four, all right. 
tell you what, you just take your picture book. I'll read this Bible. Now tell me, Jimmy, what's the one job of a prophet? Carry the word of the Lord. Right. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. <laughs> Arise, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. And Jonah threw off his covers, planted each foot on the floor, arose as his Lord God commanded, and... Nineveh? No. And fled in the opposite direction. Grandpa, hey, Mom, that's not supposed to happen. He's a bad prophet. Hey, who's telling the story, you or me? You. That's right. Now a quick geography lesson. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was east of the land of Israel. Now Jonah went to Tarshish, which was west, as far west as you could go back then, edge of the world. Man of God, running from God. Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> well, anyway, so he found a ship and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Grandpa, when does this get better? Hush, it keeps building, okay? Then the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was such a violent storm that the, threat, the ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid. And each, gave, each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Captain, we're taking on water. Get the cargo overboard! Start with the heaviest items! Move! 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 Panic, this is your fault. You always have the gods angry with you. No, hold on. I can't control what my mother-in-law says about Poseidon. If he's mad at her, go after her, not me. Both of you, stop arguing. I don't care if it's Poseidon or Baal or Mithra. Somebody's mad at us. Go ahead and pray to your gods. Call out for mercy. Is this everyone? Do we have all hands on deck? Uh, sir, uh, I, I think we have someone down below. Dude. Dude. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray to your God. My God, what are you talking about? What's happening? Storm? The ship's about to fall apart? We need all hands on deck. Captain, nothing's working. I say we cast lots to see who caused this. <laughs> Wait, 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 Grandpa, I have so many questions. How in the world is Jonah sleeping through a storm like that? I'm not totally sure what casting lots is, but why do they even have to do that? Why doesn't Jonah just speak up? Hold your horses, kid, because it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, no. When they cast lots, it was showing that Jonah was the reason for all the trouble. Hey, I am a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who created the sea and the land. I am his prophet. He gave me a message for Nineveh, and I'm running away. So let me get this straight. You worship Yahweh, 
the god that controls the sea. Yes. And you decided it was a good idea to run away from him on the sea. That is correct. On my boat! Mistakes were made. Captain, the waves are getting bigger! Ah! What do we do? Yeah. What do we have to do to you to make these waves calm down? Just pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know this storm is my fault because I tried to run from God. All right. Yeah, no, no, no. No, we're not adding murder to this. It's already bad enough. <sighs> okay. All right, let's try to row through this. Maybe we can get through. <laughs> oh, Yahweh, don't let us die because of this man. This isn't working, Captain. We're dead in the water out here. Okay. Oh, God of Jonah. Please do not hold us guilty of this. After all, you, Lord, have done just as you please. Over you go, man. comes the whale. A great fish. <laughs> and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. Well, that's as good a place as any to take a break. Let's see if there's any cookies laying around. But Grandpa, it's two to ten. What happened to those four sailors? Well, the Bible says that then the men greatly feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice and so, made vows to him. So Jonah at least did part of his job. Did he? Did he? God saved the sailors, but Jonah put their lives in jeopardy. Well, anyway, let's take a break. Get a cookie. The story of Jonah will return after these commercial messages. <laughs> I hate commercials. Guess who put the socks away? This adult. So, you never said no about having Mr. B over for dinner. Can we just do it sometime after Christmas? We always say that, but then we never do. Babe, look, work has been a lot. Boss wants to get everything finalized by the end of the year, and so, honestly, most days, all I want to do is just log off, shut the laptop, and just not see anyone. That's so bad. And I was just kidding with the whole being the maid thing. It's just, you know I like to keep a clean house. It just helps me think and process things clearly. And you really want people to come over and see our dirty laundry? I'm sorry. I guess I didn't realize how much the state of the house is affecting you. I could work on tidying up a bit more intentionally. <sighs> Thanks, hon. I'll start with the five-minute rule. If it takes less than five minutes to clean something, I'll just do it. That's my new philosophy. <laughs> Honestly, that would be a big help to my mental state. You see, work is messy. And so if the house isn't messy too... I got you. I got you. No more open cupboards and scattered paintbrushes. <laughs> and dresser drawers. Oh, filled and closed. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. So, Mr. B comes over and he won't see our dirty laundry? Yeah, maybe you're right. I suppose every sock doesn't need to be ironed and put away in order to have people over. You iron the socks? 
What, you couldn't tell? No, because they're socks. <laughs> you know, you don't need to worry about people poking around your closets and medicine cabinets. We all do it. Guilty. Ugh, ignoring that. Hey, if we wanted to have someone over, why couldn't we just invite the Stanleys over again? We know them. We'd get along with them just fine. You know, it wouldn't be weird with them like it would with Mr. B. Oh, he's alone. He's got no one. Why is that? How come no one ever comes to visit him? What's his story? You know, we've been in the neighborhood for years, and I can't tell you a single fact about him. That's not right, hon. Okay, but he's a Steelers fan. I'm sorry. You're right. We probably should be more intentional about having people over. You know, honestly, I think for me, it's just so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life or maybe the stress of work. True, true. I think we all do that. So... Yeah, let's, let's have him over. Oh, hey, while we're at it, maybe we can invite Linda over, too. Linda? <laughs> Remember last time we tried to invite her over and just how delightfully well that went? Oh, <laughs> Linda will be fine. Oh, that's good. Oh, speaking of dinner, can you go get some more pork butt for the tacos tonight? Oh, You know how much Dad yes. loves tacos. Yes, taco, 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 taco. I do love those tacos. All righty, where were we? Nineveh, flea, boat... Yada, yada, We haven't even gotten to the best part. Fish. No. So Jonah is in this disgusting place where food is being digested. He's covered in slimy goo, and it probably does not smell very nice. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I have been banished from your sight, but I will look again to you. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and you heard my prayer. What I have vowed I will make good, and I will say that salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Awesome! You. Jonah, get up. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Okay, champ, quick history lesson on the Assyrians that lived in Nineveh. They were some of the most gruesome, violent, brutal people of the ancient times. And that's saying something. Archaeologists have found art depicting the Assyrian warriors torturing their captives and putting their heads on... Whoa, 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 Dad, can I see for a second? <sighs> what in the world are you telling my son? I'm just trying to give historical context on how evil the Assyrians were. Like knowing how far Jonah had to go to get to Nineveh. Because let me tell you, it was not near any water. He had to travel for miles and miles to get to a city that was slaughtering his people, his friends, his family. Okay, I'm fine with you telling him about geography, but maybe a little less about the heads on spikes. Hey, I didn't say anything about heads on spikes. You stopped me before I could bring that up. <laughs> Mom, do you hear this guy? He said no to God. What a blockhead. So he didn't want to reach out to the people who were torturing him. Gee, I can't think why. Maybe you need to sit down and finish the story with us, too. 
Are you going to cook dinner then? I'm fine with you reading to Jimmy, but maybe less violence. Okay, thanks, Dad. You grow up, but it's okay if you want to tell me about blood. I can handle it. Whoa, you're a tough kid. That's good to know. Anyway, where was I? Ah, yes, his grand sermon. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming... All right, everybody, gather around. It's the prophet of God. It's Jonah! <laughs> in the end of 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. <laughs> Serves him right. Though I like to imagine it went more like this. At the end of 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. It's louder. Ah, at the end of 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. Let them all die. They deserve it. Then, the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they declared a fast and put on sackcloth, repenting from the greatest to the least of them. Wait, what? <laughs> when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This displeased Jonah terribly, and he became very angry. What is this? Hold it, hold it, Grandpa. Are those your reading glasses? Anyway, Jonah did what God said, and God did what he said he would do. Why is Jonah so grumpy? Welcome to humanity, sport. I understand you probably aren't used to this part of Jonah. Most people kind of forget about it. Or maybe people just forget how dark it gets. Do you think you can handle it? Of course now. I'm hooked, Gramps. <laughs> Good. Let's see how this wraps up. This displeased Jonah terribly, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Didn't I say this back home? I knew that you'd do this, that you'd have mercy. That's why I tried to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and relents from sin and calamity. Well, trust me, they don't deserve it. I thought we were supposed to be your chosen people set apart, not them. We're still paying taxes to foreign nations waiting for our deliverer, and they're being saved. Oh, I can't stand it. Just take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. Is it right for you to be angry? <laughs> Jonah thought he was predicting, predicting their destruction which he did in a way, the destruction of their old character and old ways. That is what was overthrown, not the city. Their repentance had an action, prayer, fasting, putting on a sackcloth. Repentance meant something to them. It wasn't just words. Something changed, and Jonah couldn't stand it. Jonah went out and sat down to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm to chew the plant so that it withered. Then God provided a scorching wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. You know, just take away my life. See if I care. 
Is it right for you to be angry about the plan? It is! I am so angry I wish I were dead! You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have compassion for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many cows? The end. What? Be serious, Grandma. It doesn't matter what God's talking about cows. You bet your bottom dollar it does. That's why it's so great. God is saying, you weep over plants, but my compassion is for people. What's that verse you just memorized? John 3, 16. Huh? For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, for that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Right. And what comes after that? God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's right. That's how much love God has for humanity, his creation. He sent Jesus all the way from heaven to earth, not just to live with us and teach us, but he died for everyone who would repent and believe in him. Even people like the Ninevites? God can change anyone's heart, Jimmy. Even the neighbors we don't like. Well, you'll never guess what I saw walking her dog out by the driveway when I got out of the car. Oh, even her dog is annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Linda. You know, she's asking what we're doing for New Year's. She says she's got no plans herself and doesn't want to be alone. Oh, she was practically begging for an invitation. So, yeah. Linda, I told her that basically all the things that we do is just, you know, watch Disney movies, do puzzles, that kind of thing. But get this, turns out she loves doing Linda, puzzles. Linda, though, she has an annoying habit of interrupting everybody. Didn't you just... It's not going to be a nice night. It's going to be the Linda show. She's always trash-talking this family in the neighborhood or, or that stupid bush or bragging about her kids. Her kids who don't even want to come visit her. We get it. You don't like Linda. It's not that I don't like Linda. It's just that I don't want to be around Linda. So, um, don't be mad. But, you know, I figured since we were on such a roll with inviting the neighbors over that I, um, just told her to plan on joining us. No, 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 I draw the line there. And do you know why? Do you know why? Mm. I brought her cookies, and she threw them in the trash in front of me because they had raisins in them. And, and I offered to water her garden, and she insulted my garden. And then they blew their leaves all over our yard after we raked. And, oh, her dog poops in our yard all the time, but our dog poops in her yard once, and she picked it up and put it on our front porch. And, and I was nice about the yard sign, but she insulted my yard sign. I have given her every opportunity to be a decent neighbor. No, no, a decent human being, and she has refused. I've tried to be kind, but turns out she doesn't deserve my kindness. I thought the same thing about Mr. B. Guess you two are judge and jury of the whole neighborhood, huh? Jimmy, what were we just saying about God? He was everyone, even people who we don't think deserve it. And who we don't agree with. That's right. And really, do any of us deserve God's love and kindness? Even, so, Grandpa, what happens next to Jonah? We don't know. Does he repent and write his own story? Does he die in anger over Nineveh and someone else writes his story? 
Ultimately, it doesn't matter. The story asks us, will we be like Jonah? It holds up a mirror to us and asks us, will we be like Jonah? Or will we choose differently? But Grandpa, there has to be more to the story. Stories don't just end like...
sweatshirt on. Drives good. So he's actually the, the son of Mr. B, Mr. B's grandson. All right, you may be seated or head out to the lobby and we'll join you folks uh, in just a minute. There's actually a book that was situated up on the table stand here. The title of it's actually The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And that is really the book we got the idea for uh, this year's play. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. It's really the story of a lady who grew up in a home where people were pretty judgy with their neighbors. God laid it on their heart to get past the judginess and to begin to reach out to one particular man in the neighborhood that was considered by the neighborhood pretty odd, pretty strange, pretty scary. And they did the right thing. And the Lord used that effort to bring that man to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And then they realized that this man was pretty much the most misunderstood man in the neighborhood. And so he just decided to put a play a little bit to the idea of that book so that we might all understand how the compassion of God works throughout all of human history. Ever since man fell into sin, which separated them from a holy and perfect God, God's provided away by his compassion for man to be made a friend of God again. There's hundreds of ways in which God demonstrated his compassion to mankind throughout the Bible. We don't have time to talk about all those this morning. But the ultimate way that he, did, he expressed his compassion to mankind was through sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ be born, which is why we celebrate uh, the Christmas season. We've all been a part of a world for the last 22 months that has been very interested in canceling each other out of our environments. I think all of us have been tempted to, if we have not decided to cancel someone out of our life because they didn't believe just the way we believe, they didn't act just the way we Regardless the reason why, in our fallenness, we have a tendency to cancel people. As Jack said from John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world that hated him. That's kind of hard for us to swallow. But the Assyrians that afflicted God's people did so for over 900 years. God still decided to have compassion on them. You know, that's really a compassion that's too much for our minds and our hearts to even begin to comprehend. There's no one in the room, if we lived for 900 years, 
if someone afflicted us and our family for 900 years straight as a neighbor, would we be able to find it in and of ourselves to extend those people compassion? But that's God. God doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want to spend, have anyone to spend an eternity in condemnation and separation from him. Jonah 4.11, Paul, Grandpa, in the play quoted, God himself shall be to comprehend. And it would be for us too if we were Jonah.
chapter 7. There's a lady who has one living relative left, the widow of Nain. And that living relative was her eldest son, and he died. Any woman in that culture that was alone in that way, no husband, no living child, let alone eldest male child, would become an outcast in that culture. Some even believed that there was a special curse on women like that, because certainly if their God loved them and approved of them, they would let at least one person live to be able to take care of them. And this lady had nobody. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to Nain. And the Bible says he had compassion on her. And he raised her eldest son from his death during his funeral march. Matthew chapter 15. was a man who was scared for his daughter because she was demon-possessed. Does that still happen? It does. But Jesus, the Bible says, that had compassion on that man and his daughter. And he cast that demon from that little girl and faith came to that family. John chapter 6, there had been a group of people following Jesus around for quite a long time on a particular day, and they had been without food. And the disciples were concerned for Jesus' health and well-being, and they wanted him to take a break and have some food. But the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on all the people who were following him and had not had breakfast or lunch you know the story, if you know the Bible at all, in John chapter 6, how the Lord provided them food in a miraculous way, simply because he had compassion on them. But why? That's what we leave you with this morning. Why the compassion of Jesus? Why was Jesus not interested in canceling the most vile or the most afflicted or the most outcast out of his plans. I can't answer that question. Except but the compassion of God. Because there's nothing in me that's able to do that. Is to include everybody. But God's desire was to reconcile every man afflicted by sin or afflicting wickedness on others because of sin back to himself. And the only way he could do that was through an act of compassion of sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to buy us all back to the Father, to be a friend of God again. One thing you notice when you read through all these Bible passages on compassion, both Old and New Testament, every time there was an act of compassion, there was some very unique degree of sacrifice that came along with that act of compassion. The greatest degree of sacrifice ever made in an act of compassion was God sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die a unique death that we all might live. So I would just ask you this morning, 
I'm not asking you to get your hearts right and to uncancel anyone you've canceled out of your life. I'm not asking you to do something that really you're incapable of doing. But I will ask you this. Are you willing to accept the ultimate act of compassion, the Lord Jesus Christ, into your life? Are you willing to accept God accepting you in the person of, your, of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to accept the fact that you are unacceptable to God, but in Jesus Christ you can be accepted by God? Are you willing to consider, are we willing to consider that God's unique gift of Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Christmas time is the way for you to understand compassion so that you can understand the forgiveness of your own sin, so that you can under understand you being acceptable to God again. I don't think any one of us would be willing to give up our only child. die so that other children could live. God did. He did. Christ died the most unique and horrific and violent death of any human in history in Jesus Christ so that you might live, so that you might know forgiveness of your sins. The most simple verse in all the Bible, each word has one syllable. It says this, he that hath the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God does not have life. That's simple. There is a way in every man's heart to find their way to righteousness. But God says there's only one way to be made friends with him again. And that's to accept his act of compassion, the gift of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel saying of Jesus' announcement in Luke chapter 2, of the announcement of his birth, we sang of that in a carol this morning. I'd like to remind us of those words that we sang as we finish and pray. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glories by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the son of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. King Jesus is the glory of God in human flesh. And you may never hear this story again, but the carols that you whistle, you hum, you sing, like Heart the Herald Angels sing, you have sung of the opportunity to know the compassion of God in Jesus Christ over and over and over again, and you may not have even have known what you were singing. And that's okay. This morning you do. Born to give them second birth. Jesus said, no man can come unto the Father unless he have a second birth. 
It's what the Bible calls being born again. You all have a physical birthday. Jesus says you need a spiritual birthday. I can't forgive you of all your sin. No one in this room would stand and even begin to say they could forgive someone else of all their sin, let alone forgive themselves for all of their sin. But God in Christ came to be the sacrifice for the sin of the whole world so you personally could have a spiritual birthday that you might know the compassion of God in Jesus Christ. Folks, the world is becoming a crazier and crazier and crazier place and it's not going to stop. But there is one who is a divine consistency. There's one who is an unchanging heavenly reality. And his name's Jehovah God. And his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is that same divine, immutable, unchanging consistency and offer of compassion for your soul. That, my friends, is the greatest reality of all all of human history in the universe. And God made it so simple. Amen. A babe born in a manger who would be born to die for you. Would you look to him? Would you bow your heart and your knee to him as the wise men did, as the shepherds did, as his own parents did the eve of his birth and give your heart to Jesus and know peace on earth goodwill to all those who would believe let's pray together our father in heaven we thank you so much we cannot wrap our minds and our hearts around the unchanging compassion you've had for all those who have made themselves your enemy throughout all of human history. One of the most extreme examples in the Assyrians, the Ninevites tonight in our play. We thank you, Lord, for the simple but profound reality of your desire to express compassion upon the whole world uniquely in the giving of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your living compassion, known to man and seen by man. In a world that's falling apart and seems to not make sense of itself, I pray that the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, in this hour we focus on the purpose for this season, would make sense to every heart in this room this morning. That every soul would be persuaded by you, O oh God, to turn their eyes from themselves and turn their eyes unto Jesus who longs to be their Savior. And to give them rest to their souls when they themselves can't find it 
in ourselves and we certainly haven't been able to find it in other human beings that we even truly love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You came with someone that you probably knew this morning. Really the most simple but profound way that you can really understand who Jesus Christ is, is by just asking who you know that's here this morning that knows him. You don't know me, I wouldn't expect you to trust me, because you don't know me. But you can trust people that you know. Out of all times in your life's history and my life's history, we need things simplified right now. We need life's most serious problems solved in the most simple way because there's not much being solved with simplicity now. The person that you know that invited you here today is the person that knows the simplicity but the profound nature of who Jesus is. I would ask you to talk to them about him. Eternity is a long time. All of us have lost people in our lives in the last 22 months. Every single one of us, I know this. I lost one of my dearest friends in the world several days ago to this virus. Multiple, multiple friends have just been vanishing out of my personal existence. And it just tears our hearts apart, doesn't it? The Bible says life's a vapor. It appears for a little while and it passes away. Your life's a vapor. I would just ask you, and you never may never see me again, I would just ask you as you depart this morning, to just not go through the motions of enjoying yet another Christmas program and an event on our country's most popular holiday. And I'm not even trying to be screwed when I say that. I would just ask you to consider Jesus Christ. That's why we put this plan on. That you would understand the compassion and mercy of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the only way to God in eternal life. And he's the only way for you to find soul peace and forgiveness. Church can't do that. This pastor can't do that. Priests can't do that. No one can forgive the whole of our sin except for God and Jesus Christ. So don't trust in a church. Don't trust in a pastor. Trust in Jesus. And learn of him from someone here that already knows him. Have coffee. Have a long conversation. And just ask all the questions you want about Jesus. Because he's that wonderful. Alright? You may stand at this time.